Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Hello, Blanket Huggers. Stefan here, host of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. As we take this week off to celebrate my birthday, we wanted to take a moment to introduce you to my other podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. And that show is Misters of the Dark, a show that sees myself and my co-host, Lance Wayne, the man with no name, go over different horror topics as outside of the paranormal, I have a big fascination and love for all things horror, whether it be movies, TV, books, etc. In this show, we've had a great opportunity to interview some incredible guests, such as uh, horror artist Ricky Blaylock, as well as uh, Grandpa himself from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre original film, John Dugan. But the episode I want to introduce you to today is one of my favorite episodes from the run so far. We got a chance to interview Michael Berryman. This is the actor made famous in The Hills Have Eyes, and so on and so forth. But anyways, this is this episode of Misters of the Dark, featuring an interview with Michael Berryman. And I hope you have an opportunity to listen to this show and enjoy it as much as I do. It's a whole nother side of me that most people don't get to see, my comedic side and my love of horror. Uh, if you're interested in listening to more of Misters of the Dark, you can go to www.fearscapemedia.com slash M-O-T-D podcast or simply look up Misters of the Dark anywhere you stream your podcasts. Anyways, I uh, will catch you guys on the flip side and uh, enjoy. Coming to you from nowhere, a suburb of parts unknown, your ghoulish hosts for an evening of terror, Stephen Gearhart and Lance Wayne, the Misters of the Dark. <laughs> Welcome to another terrifying episode of Misters of the Dark, the greatest horror podcast in the history of horror podcasting. As always, we are beaming directly to you from nowhere, a suburb of parts unknown, and I'm your head mister, Lord Stephen Gearhart. Hey, I'm your co-mister with the dark and the no-name and the lanceway to the hey lady! Okay, before we continue, I suppose you all deserve some sort of explanation as to why my lesser half is impersonating and at the same time butchering the legacy of great performers past and present. I'm only laughing on the outside. 
My smile is just skin deep. Just, just stop. If you could see inside, I'm really crying. You might join me for a week. Shut up! Shut up! Okay, you see, last weekend after our weekly binge watch and brood, I stupidly sent Lance down to the Village Video Store to return our VHS copy of the first season of Sisters. You go in the cage. Cage goes in the water. You go in the water. Sharks in the water. Arr, shark. Shut up, Lance. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Well, okay, while making the trek back home, he got himself bitten by one of those pesky little buggers we all commonly refer to as the acting bug. On the good ship, lollipop, sweet trip to the candy shop. Okay, that was pretty good. That was pretty good, but still, shut up! Okay, I've tried everything. I've tried exorcisms. I've tried sage burning. I even used the last of our good leeches to see if a loss of blood would help. The blood is the life. Mr. Obviously, all were <laughs> unsuccessful. That's why I've sent for someone who has much more experience with this type of thing than I. Someone who can drive out this thespian demon who's possessing our dear co-mister, and most importantly, is a card-carrying member of SAG. Yeah, dear friends, will you join me in welcoming horror actor Michael Berryman? Hi, doggy. Uh, a little cheer on a Sunday. It's a little something from Petaluma, California, a local brewery. I, I believe in the, um, um, supporting your local uh, Mon Pa businesses. Yeah. Uh, you know, now, now more than ever. Now more. Now than more than ever that are going bankrupt, yeah. and uh, uh, you know, don't let them get gobbled up by the uh, the realm. Yeah. So yeah. It's Sunday, we we buried our old twenty year old cat yesterday. So oh, today, is, sorry to hear that. Sorry, uh, Kiki. Twenty years, twenty years to Kiki. Cat. Oh, well. But yeah, we're uh, we were both in Kentucky, but I recently moved to Arizona. Um, so I oh, am my com- uh, my well, um, I hope it worked for you. It's hottest. It's pretty yes, freaking it hot. Yes. There, I can't. Do, I can't do that anymore. Yes, <laughs> yeah. we're um, in the we're in the middle of an ice storm down here in Louisville, in Kentucky. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said that. You said that correctly, Louisville. Yeah, oh, uh, ben, yeah. ben Dixon. A big shout out to Ben Dixon. He oh, does yeah. a great show, uh, Blood Nick show. Uh, uh, I, I, I loved that part of Kentucky. Uh, I had friends from Slidell. Uh, oh, I've got friends from Slidell. <laughs> yeah, Slidell. That's some, those are some pretty mellow people, man. Yep. I had some neighbors <laughs> that were from Slidell, and uh, they were good neighbors, good people, good folk down there in the south. You know, yeah, not, not, not everybody is uh, what you uh, hear. Uh, uh, cl- not everybody is a cliche. No. Everybody's yeah. Yeah. And yeah, definitely yeah. shout out to Ben. We've got Ben and his wife will be on the show in the next. Oh, cool. As well, yeah, they're yep. good folks for sure. So yep. um, again, Michael, we very much appreciate you taking your time uh, yes. sharing a Sunday with us. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, we're remodeling the upstairs. I told my wife I wouldn't be buying uh, chocolate ice cream pie or uh, uh, flowers because we need every every extra dollar to go yes. to this. Uh, yeah, with our just the upstairs remodel is uh, um, birthday presents, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and uh, 
everything else. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, gotta love it, man. So uh, what's it like to be? Uh, you, you guys look like you're still in your twenties. What's that like? Oh, twenties. Uh, I'm forty one. Forty? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, After twenty nine. Thirty-two. If it's uh, yeah, I can't trust anybody over twenty-nine, over thirty, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You can't believe that BS. Yeah. <laughs> I just, man, I just, I live, I live as positive as possible. To be honest with you, that's that's my, it's been my goal for a long time, is to just be as positive as possible and enjoy life. Uh, well, I, I live, I live yeah. negatively as possible. <laughs> Well, you're, you're, you should draw the curtain behind you uh, uh, because uh, you're backlit really, really. Oh, sorry. Really hot. Really hot. Oh, no, it's just for, it's for your fans, not for me. <laughs> I can deal with all kinds of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a window behind you. That, that's, uh, yeah, I'm, you, try to, I'm trying to block it with my big well, head. Your big fat head works. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> you okay, you got, you got your framing just right. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Stay right there. That's your that's your zone. You're on a tight do, lens. Do not move, Lance. Yeah. yeah. Move. Well, when it when it lights up, I kind of like it. Look, I looks like I'm a saint or something like. <laughs> oh, now that that's a good pose there. Off this, uh, that's just that blonde know, hair, man. Yeah, yeah, dream on, brother. Dream on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is great um just so, so what, do you, what do you want to cover today everything uh um, everything the fact oh, that no. i'm six foot five so i'm taller than you how does that make you feel <laughs> doesn't affect me one way or the other i'm here and besides if uh, if you're taller than me and we have an issue uh, if I make that kneecap go to the wrong spot, you're, you're going to be hopping on one leg. Yes, yes. I, I, yes. Just, here, here. I just had knee surgery a year and a half ago, so. I, oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Drop like a sack of potatoes. I'll tell you what, though. As someone who's tall, one of my biggest weird things about myself is anyone that's taller than me, I get really intimidated by. Because I'm not used to looking up at someone. And it like it just weirds me out. I don't know what it is. Like, and I'm so if you're man. so if you're going up an escalator, you must be terrified all the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> man, you're easy. You can't you can't trust moving stairs, man. That's like one of my favorite jokes. Is you know like uh, from this old cartoon, the escalator stopped, and the kid was like, "Dad, help! The escalator stuck." <laughs> you just stand in there, and he's like, "It's stairs now." <laughs> like, oh, that. That's cute. There was a, uh, uh, is either Far Side or I think it was Far Side, and it showed uh, it was a cartoon where people going down the escalators and their feet stick to the thing and they're being shredded and you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. So even at airports, when it gets to you know the last two steps where the, the teeth are and it's going underneath the teeth, I always you know step off. I do too. <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, nervous. I don't know why. It's just yeah. something you do. Well, it's like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when they're like, Socrates, watch your robe, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, See, I grew up I grew up with Mad Magazine. You, you grew me up with too. The- yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Mad Magazine. I just actually got a subscription recently um, to Mad. Oh, I, a prescription? Yes. <laughs> I, thought, exactly. I, thought they, I thought they stopped publishing. They did, but then they got a new publisher. Back? And so it's oh, back, back out like uh, every two months or something like that. But yeah, I got a great, a, mag- a great magazine. I, I loved it. I loved uh, I grew up with uh, beatniks surfing early 60s. I lived uh, near Venice, not too far from Venice Beach. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm actually cartooned, characterized in the uh, um, in a mad magazine 
issue where they do one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I was oh, about really? to ask. I was yeah, like, there's I a little bet. caricature. It doesn't really look like me, but it is my character, which is freaking cool. Yeah, that is super cool. I absolutely love that. Um, well, in, in, in sci-fi, I actually sent a uh, a letter to uh, DC Comics because it was the uh, uh, the episode of Superman. Well, I mean, it was the issue where Superman and they're explaining when uh, he arrives to Mon Pa Kent and and they take the baby blankets, the uh, the, the 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 yellow, red, and blue, mm-hmm. and they're hanging on a, a clothesline, and it shows Pa Kent poking at him with a pitchfork and shooting them with a shotgun and they're invulnerable. So I wrote a letter saying if they're invulnerable, how did Ma Kent cut them up and, and stitch so, them into yeah. his outfit? Yeah, yeah. He actually sent me a, I don't have it anymore. Oh. They actually wrote me back and sent me a letter because back then we did letters. Yep. Didn't have internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they sent me a letter saying, Michael, you got to cut us a break. <laughs> <laughs> and now they right, just say but, you know, now so, they just say kryptonite scissors back. i wrote them back and i said well, what if there was a sewing kit in the rocket pod that had uh, mildly radioactive kryptonite right. needles and yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's say, kryptonite scissors kryptonite needles yeah sure um, yeah all kinds that would be the, uh, would that that would be the uh Blue kryptonite turns you into a bizarro. Yes. Uh, there's a the, the different color kryptonite. So uh, you, see, now you're on my tear. I'm a huge Superman fan. So. Oh, I love DC. <laughs> you, got, you got me now. Uh, but yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, when you know you what got... DC stands for? What? The capital. <laughs> I, I get one bad one. That was very bad. <laughs> But yeah, that's a way he went to Star Labs one time, had to get surgery or whatever. That's what they had to do is get like a kryptonite knife to cut him open to get it. Right. (laughs) Batman's still better. Batman's still the man. You shut up. He doesn't doesn't shave with his laser eyes, okay? (laughs) Superman shaves with his laser eyes, hits a mirror, it bounces Superman. Superman was born with all of his powers. Batman had to develop them. No, no, no. He was not born with all of his powers. He was born on Krypton with no powers. And then... That's correct. He had to have a yellow sun. Yeah, you needed the yellow sun to initiate. Um, I, I love the bizarros when they would show, oh, boy, the trash men are delivering trash to her. I mean, it was, it was such a shoot on, on, on suburbia. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother and I, when, when we were very young, um, I actually drew up a, a, a costume. After. We wanted to be Batman and Robin, and, and there was no – we didn't know about um, – uh, 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 Kevlar or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I figured some kind of bodysuit under the suit that would, uh, you know, stop a bullet or whatever. And then, yeah. yeah. Then, then I'm very science oriented, so um, uh, I figured, well, I need something to absorb the trauma and blah blah blah. But we actually wanted to do that as kids, so yeah. <laughs> encourage encourage the uh, uh, imagination of your youth because uh, it helps. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely, oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. I, we used to stack old mattresses that we could find and jump off the roof trying to see who. Could of course, fly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the '80s for me. I did that last week, actually. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work. Didn't work. That's amazing. You get that small cardboard refrigerator boxes and. Uh, um, I put them in the backyard, cut windows for them with flaps, and you know, put some blankets and and, and a cushion in there, and have the, mm-hmm. the, the, the dog with the dog water and the food. I sleep out in the backyard in a cardboard box. It was wonderful. Yeah, yep. Man. And then you know, uh, as actors, we end up having to do that anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I well, you. In, 
I lived you, in my you, van for uh, quite a, many years uh, 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 until after Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Shoot. Oh, it's well, in my you, book. My book is about three quarters finished. Uh, I've got about another three weeks to finish writing it. Then I sent it off to my manager and she sent it off to the publisher. But first I sent it off to the WGA to get it registered, of course, oh. for, the, for the final version. It's very, very interesting. Oh, uh, I'm looking forward read. to that. I do have a website, yeah, michaelberryman.com, mm -hmm. and uh, you can get some cool stuff there. And uh, I'll be letting everybody know when uh, they can get the book. Great. We uh, will as well. Cause yeah, we yeah, are very interested. I, I wrote definitely. notes on how to reach you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we, we are all about that, man. We yeah. love that stuff. Well, you, li you lived on a, a wolf sanctuary for 10 years, didn't you? Uh, off and on. I've been associated with them for uh, decades. Uh, I did live there uh, for about three years, uh, but I've, I've known Tanya Carmoni at Wolf Mountain Sanctuary. It's a rescue. Uh -huh. they, don't, they don't do a breeding program. They, they've never been yeah, yeah. funded. Yeah. There have been promises to go to Montana, Wyoming, Alaska, blah, blah, blah. But it, it never fought, comes through. But they do good work. Uh, um, they're out uh, near Big Bear, e uh, east of L.A., uh, in a town called Lucerne Valley, which is a little impoverished. But they're up there the, uh, where the mountain meets the desert, and the mm -hmm. wolves love it. And at least they have a place to chill and uh, not be dead. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a very uh, I, I'm very huge on the, uh, preserving the, the natural world, uh, the oceans, the yeah. air, the forest. Um, when I was very young, um, my uh, my grandmother would tell me stories about my uh, great grandfather, who was a doctor from Germany, and he spoke uh, more than three or four languages. And they lived in the Dakotas before it was statehood, so he was very good friends with the Native American. Uh, Huh. Bay tribe, and back then you would do apothecary your your uh, your medicines. You would use them from uh, from herbs, from plants, from minerals, and you would make your own medicines. There was no pharmacies, so um, the the importance of, uh, of this tale is 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 uh, uh, the uh, saving of our rivers and streams. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people that, you know, they'd say, well, they're rednecks and they're hunters. No, no, the, cut that crap. They're, yeah. they're people that know how to be self-sufficient. I've been, mm -hmm. I, I've lived that life. So the point is, you don't want, if you're going to dam a river, then you make it an easy way for fish to to, to, to go across. And you, and you don't use it as a toilet, which is what, you know, even in the Simpsons, Montgomery Burns, perfect example, you know, yeah how uh, short-sighted greed uh, greed is very bad so anyway um i remember uh, meeting some uh, native americans and and sharing the story about how when my great-grandfather passed away uh, uh the last thing that the uh, hudson bay tribe did was wait for the white man to, to do the services in uh, uh uh, Grafton, North Dakota, and then they showed up in full battle regalia because they honored him as a chief. They would come over to oh, our really? house, wow. to, my, to my relative's house, and uh, they would bring Christmas presents, which were basically moccasins, Even uh, and they were even midwifing for the children that were being born at the house. And my grandmother and her sister would stay up, uh, you know, looking out the window to see if they could find them, see them ar arrive and leave the gifts. They'd always fall asleep, and then in the morning, of course, that they would be um, but yeah, he, he uh, when my uh, grandmother, Sophie, uh, this is in my book, um, was ill with uh, fever, uh, uh, 
his next door neighbor was the Mayo brothers, Charles and Frank Mayo. Their father started the Mayo Clinic and all of that. Mm. And they, yeah. they, uh, the brothers started the first patent, as according to my grandmother, the first U.S. patent for uh, patent medicines, which wow. is kind of like uh, medicines for profit, yeah. as opposed yeah. as opposed to the uh, the Hippocratic oath of you know, do no harm and and mm-hmm. and. My father was a brain surgeon. When he died, he put it in his will not to sue people for their inability to pay. The fact they got a brain tumor or whatever, oh, and they have no doctor fantastic. bills. There. Wow! So that's called compassionate care. Yeah, that's what yeah. You're supposed to do uh, these days. We know how it's corporate, and they'll sue you and take everything away. You have to sign yeah. it off to somebody else to protect your assets. That being said, um, the males couldn't get her better. So they said, make arrangements for her, her funeral. And he said, okay, sign on this piece of paper saying that I will take over her, uh, I'm a doctor and I'm her father, I will take over her care as per, uh, you know, state laws. And they said, fine. So first thing he did was take all of their medicines and, you know, chuck them. And then he uh, had sent somebody to, uh, on horseback to go contact the, uh, the healers of the Native Americans. And they showed up and they walked along the river. These are the rivers in, in the Dakotas before they were uh, polluted and, and dammed and uh, filled with pollution. Yeah. Um, there's something called silt. And like uh, if you learn in, in, in history class as a kid, uh, you, the uh, Tiger Euphrates area, Egypt, etc., the Nile, uh, and, and and Africa and South America, you have the uh, other rivers. Well, rivers are supposed to flood, and when they flood, they deposit silt, and silt has trace minerals, and those trace minerals need to be in the plants that we consume. Why? Because those trace minerals uh, have a uh, uh, they have a conversation with the cells in your body and the organs in your body and the systems in your body, so the body can heal itself. Mm. But greed, see, greed got in the way uh, over time, to where it's almost uh, illegal to have home birth, uh, etc. Uh, so uh, they showed him all of these. Uh, herbs and plants that you can turn into medicine, and they were growing in the silt area of the rivers, the banks of the river after the water recedes. And that's where you get your best soil and your healthiest plants. Doing farming with just replacing NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, without the trace minerals, it makes the plants look healthy and green, vibrant, but they're missing all those vital nutrients. Uh, I've been an advocate of, uh, of correct health, so to speak, uh, ever since I knew who Jack Lane was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, handcuff you. To, uh, handcuff you, and you put a rope in your mouth, and then you do a butterfly uh, <laughs> a swim from Alcatraz, towing a dinghy with the press in it across the currents, where people who escaped from Alcatraz, who had been pumping out in the gym, drowned, <laughs> and this guy did it, bound. He and was something else, man. Mouth. And he had a show called the Jack Lane Show every morning on TV back in the early black and white TV days where he would take a chair and show you how to use your whole body with the chair yep. to be vibrant and healthy and, and, and learn about nutrition. He I, I see advertising for, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not against a, a value meal. If you want to go have some junk food once in a while, yeah, but 
it ain't nutrition. So, no, no. <laughs> unfortunately, said, uh, I, I raise a glass to, uh, uh, yeah, it's not whiskey. It's, it's beer. I don't care. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned your dad and I noticed, you know, you had said he was out in Hiroshima and all that stuff. Did, did he have stories to you about things that he saw and things like that? Um, Cause that's what I am sure is very interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, he was a Navy surgeon attached to the uh, 333 Marine Corps, 3rd th- uh, uh, Division, 3rd Company, 3rd Battalion. And he was on a, a destroyer. And at the end of the war, you know, we dropped uh, two experiments, uh, mm-hmm. the two bombs. Two yeah. yeah. And he was on a secret mission, being a, 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 an MD and a neurologist to go to Hiroshima at ground zero after they dropped the bomb and, and see what kind of uh, effect it had on human beings medically. I have pictures, which I will never share, Good. of uh, walls with uh, shadows of vaporized human I've beings. Yeah, those, I've heard yeah. Of the, yeah, I've heard of those, yeah. And these were civilians, you know, which, be- which beckons another... Uh, aspect of storytelling which we do as actors and artists and people in our industry and there's always idiots that use television as a pulpit and yet uh, they uh, they they bash what we do when we do something that they don't particularly like because it affects the agenda that they have so they can get money in their pockets and yet they're charlatans and they're hypocrites yeah that being said um I always felt that they could have just said, uh, here's an atoll within your round, take a look, boom, this is what we can do. I know we only had two and, and they said it saved lives, but uh, they never should have let the genie out of the bottle in my opinion. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. So when, when my dad went there, of course, uh, it was still a hot zone. So he was highly radiated. Yeah. Oh. And he came back home and I was conceived and I was born with the uh, various birth defects. And uh, the creases in my skull are where they literally cut my top of my head off. Oof. And, and, and uh, well, not I'm sure they didn't put it in a box somewhere on the table and look at it. But literally, the, the skull was not expanding. So they had to cut fissures to where the brain would grow. And then they took pieces of bone from my pelvis, used them as spacers. So uh, it would all kind of knit together. And uh, mm. my balance was good. The ends of my fingers and toes are my knuckles big whoop uh i can't sweat okay fine uh, dealt with a lot of things that are in my book i, t- I tell it straight up mm-hmm. um grateful to be 72 years old yeah. yay buddy yeah and they didn't have to use a kryptonite needle so <laughs> yeah uh, true it on, true it was on backwater from amazon in the future <laughs> oh oh wow man highly experimental stuff but yeah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine what your dad went through you know like my grandfather was in the um invasion of normandy he was in the first wave wow. and oh. um his entire battalion died he was the only oh, one shit. in his entire platoon that survived and he covered himself with his friends bodies until the next uh-huh. wave came in um and he had to he murdered a nazi that was looking through and he had that helmet we still have the helmet and uh wow forward he said he would wow. never no violence nothing he was a golden globes um boxer in the army and he quit boxing everything no more violence no more death and we still have that um but he struggled with world war ii and i can't imagine so here's your dad 
going through the war and then on top of that having to go to Hiroshima it's like that's like two traumas in one and the fact yeah. that he lived a, a life and had children and and managed is is remarkable to me mm. uh, your story is is, is remarkable um, those are those are aspects of a uh, uh, of humanity and uh, interaction with uh, with uh, uh, the intersection of a uh, uh, I would say a situation beyond our control or something that we are unex yeah. the unexpected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that <clears throat> intersection uh, allows you a space to make a decision, and those decisions will define yeah. your yeah. Uh, moral compass and your humanity level, and to what degree you're willing to step out and uh, and do what you have to do. Uh, those are those are choices and decisions throughout our lives that we, we, we look back, we reflect, uh, we perhaps sometimes have to forgive ourselves. Uh, that's always a tough one, um, but it, it's called life, and it, these are things that everybody uh, deals with, and uh, that's why uh, I'm very grateful that we have Netflix and all of these all yeah. of this programming. That uh, uh, um, there's one. Uh, uh, I can't think of it. it begins with an A. It's on Netflix. It's, it's about a, a kid in high school. I think he's a, um, uh, what's the word? Um, can't think of the word. It's got a neurological problem where, it, 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 uh, 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 not acoustic, uh, uh, it begins with an A. What's the word I'm looking for? Autistic? Autistic. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. But he functions. So there was a time when, when that was all taboo. You know, uh, yeah, I understand yeah. how the TV was entertaining it was for the housewives, whatever. Everybody wanted to forget about Korea and World War Two, and 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 uh, is that the atypical is that a, a show. Atypical, yeah, yeah, atypical. Great, amazing, amazing uh, uh, content. Yeah, that's um, Michael Rappaport. Yeah, I love Michael Rappaport. So right, <laughs> he's in that. Yeah. <laughs> And then I watch fun stuff like Mom, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Mom yeah. is great. I love Mom. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, to have somebody in a wheelchair, really? Wow, we've come so far. We have, I remember yeah. doing a Highway to Heaven and working with Michael Landon, mm -hmm. and um, we hit it off very well. I worked for, for him on two episodes, and um, um, I actually got involved with uh, – uh, there was a, a gentleman uh, – uh, he had a, he had some he would hire people with disabilities. He was one of the first producers to do that. Wow. And I remember when uh, uh, I was I think I was getting uh, uh, I was uh, looking for an agent and and, and, I, and I had a uh, no 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 I was with a, a friend of mine uh, David Shelton is his name he's a magician and he's also uh, I believe he's a shriner. Um, and he works with uh, 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 children with disabilities. Uh, I've done a lot of work with the uh, school districts, et cetera, and various groups. And he had a, when the internet was just getting started, he wanted to have a, uh, uh, actually a cable show uh, called the, the Global Good News Network. Nothing but good news. I like so that. I went with him, yeah. uh, went with him to a, a pitch. At a, at a fancy building with an office and, and there was these producers there you know and and my and my friend he had brochures printed out and everything and he says here's my deal it's 24 7 the global good news network nothing but good news uplifting stuff and 
I'll never forget it. One of these suits put his hands behind his head, leaned back in his, in his chair, and here's what he said. What kind of Pollyanna sugar-coated Michael Landon crap is this? That's what he said. Oh. And I looked at, at David and I said, may I respond? And he says, sure. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I, I told him he should be ashamed of himself straight up. Number two, he was off. He was being offered a wonderful opportunity. Number three, I said, uh, I go to conventions and I meet people from every walk of life. Those that are poor, those that are rich, those that can jump, those that can't. And one of the things that they always con uh, contact about is, yeah, yeah, they like to be scared. They like sci-fi, like some of the stuff that we do, but they want stuff that deals with the human condition. Mm -hmm. And this guy is offering you a wonderful platform and you're just wiping your ass with it. I said, there's something seriously yeah. wrong with you. You need therapy. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, my friend will find a way to do this. And uh, uh, we're leaving now. And we left. You know, so uh, people sometimes, I don't scratch my head and spend too much time uh, trying to analyze them because yeah. uh, I would never get anything done. No, uh, no. <laughs> I, won't call, I won't comment uh, other than say what's happening in today's time and space intersection. Um, I, I'm really hoping that it's going to drive the conversation toward uh, the center, which is the heart. Uh, my father would say things to me. We, uh, I used to go on house calls with him. He actually was a doctor who had a black bag with wow. you know, all, kinds of, <laughs> all kinds of liquids and pills and injectables yeah. and junkies. Yeah. So one night, uh, I mean, I, and I grew up around firearms and, uh, you know, pr the proper way to handle them. I, I was also in the ROTC in college. My point being, one night I'm in the car and we're driving along and he parks in the back of an alley and he says, this is the house where I'm going to go into my um, what I have in my bag, uh, my patient's uh, husband would love to, you know, have it in his arm. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad had polio uh, 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 and, uh, you know, he would need some help in a fight, so to speak. Right. So in my lap was a Smith and Wesson 38. And I, I like oh, I said, wow. we used to reload. I, I, I knew exactly who, what they do. And he said, uh, I'll open the, uh, the curtain in her window and if uh if you hear a scuffle just come in you know don't shoot the guy but you know <laughs> if you have to save my life oh uh, well what you have to do and i was 14 years old so uh, i don't think i blinked the whole time he was in the in in in, in the house right? but everything went went well uh my my point is uh, sometimes reality can be very stark and in, in your face and you need to really focus on what why and how much uh, that, that's that's kind of important um, i used to see bumper stickers that would say the one that dies with the most toys wins and that's a pretty shallow uh yeah oh philosophy. yeah yeah it's interesting They're usually on the back of bmws right it's interesting <laughs> you're talking about the news thing because I used to um, – I'm an actor myself, and so, of course, we always have day jobs. And one of the ones that I had done, I had done this job where I worked for this company that transcribed news footage. Uh, and so that way, if people wanted to see if their brand or person got referenced, they could contact us. We could send them the transcript, yada, yada, yada. Well, I would watch eight to ten hours of news footage a day and transcribe it. 
well, we, 99% of what you see is just horrific stuff. And I had the St. Louis market and I had the Detroit market and oh, I was just crime and murder. And this was early 2000s. It was just crime and murder and crime and murder and crime and murder. And I mean, it, I, it was hard not to take home. But then every Friday or every Monday, excuse me, I would get teen kids news like so in the midst of all of this like crime and murder crime and murder i would get teen kids news which was all just positive news it was all good yeah and it was like a refresher for me yeah every week i was so thankful because man i was just my heart was just bleeding like watching all yeah. this news and then here's teen kids news and it teen saved kids. me it saved i'll tell you what it saved me if i could have had that 24 7 good news network i would have been so thankful i'll tell you that right, right yeah. now great that's beautiful great story thank you for sharing that's 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 exactly the point it's exactly the point uh uh wow yeah um I, yeah. I 100% agree. I, I much prefer the good stories, and yeah, it can get overwhelming. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's not a Pollyanna uh, uh, head, in the, head in the sand existence. It's just that we need a recharge, and uh, we need to not give up on humanity, because I, I used to read a lot of science fiction uh, mm-hmm. when I was young, and, you know, there, there's a great short story by H.G. Wells, uh, and it's in his anthology. It's called The Machine Stops, and it's about the world after uh, nuclear war everybody lives underground and they have and this was written in the 50s mm-hmm. so everybody's in their cubicle and they communicate via a tv screen and there's a, a guy it's a love story about a guy and a gal and the guy works in the archives way down in the tunnels where nobody goes anymore and uh, he reads books and he you know it's information it's stored forever and he, and he finds out about things like the, the blue sky, clouds, wind on your yeah. face, rain, hot, warm, cold, uh, animals, uh, smells, things of that nature. And uh, the gal, his girlfriend, is going like, wow, this is amazing. Because everybody living underground, it's like, you know, perp- everything is controlled, ambient temperature, and people push a button, and, and, and you push a button and milk and honey flows. I mean, everything is provided by the machine. Yeah. Well, the machine starts to break down. And over time, they had learned where the tunnels go to the surface. And sure enough, one day, uh, everybody's pushing, they're demanding being serviced, and the machine starts to falter. But then people are out of their cubicles into the corridors, etc., and it becomes chaotic, and there's violence, and, and it's terrible. So they escape, and they meet up, and they make their way to the surface, and it's like beautiful Adam and Eve, and they figured like, you know, they'll carry on humanity, and this is wonderful. Uh, but they've been breathing filtered air for so long that just the ambient air on the surface of the, of the earth is more than their bodies could handle, and they uh, they they drown in each other's arms as the the blood rushes into their lungs, and they drown in their own demise. Whoa! Oh <laughs> yeah, that's okay. that was sweet, but. Uh, but it rings true. I mean, yeah, you, you yeah. don't know what you've got till it's gone. So, you know, the, the, the idea of people poo-pooing, uh, you know, conservation and the nature society and science. I mean, I, I can't even have a conversation with those types of individuals because uh, they're pretty lost. Yeah. And as long as they don't have the powers to make decisions, then perhaps things will be better. Uh, I've been uh, uh, like with the wolves, uh, uh, 
I remember working in, in Rome, in Italy, and I went to the Villa Borghese Zoo, and I remember uh, uh, talking to the zookeepers and the people that tended for the animals. And um, people that work in zoos, uh, they understand there's a network of uh, genetic diversity that they share uh, with breeding programs, so extinction uh, doesn't happen. Uh, unfortunately, I think all the great beasts, uh, etc., will be gone in our great grandchildren's future, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a sin, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm an ex-altar boy, and I've said there. Me Don't too. Do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but the the point being, yeah, I think there's two things that cause most pain and suffering in the world. Number one is if I draw a line in the dirt, people die. If I tell you that uh, the God I pray to is uh, different than your God, people die. Those concepts need to be discarded. Uh, is we're all the same? I mean, yep. uh, you know, or you know, or was your grandparents the Greys? You know, I mean, I mean <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, uh, divide and conquer. I mean, there's so many simple. Uh, 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 decisions that have caused uh, discomfort in, in throughout human history. And you look at animals, the, the ones that are most like our misbehavior are insects. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So go figure. Yep. Well, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a really good quote, and reminds me of this, and I've, I've, I've really, this, this has always stuck with me ever since I read it, but uh, that comic, that the graphic novel, The Watchmen, there's a quote from it that says something like, you know, everything everything you know in the world fits together like a puzzle except people <laughs> i like you know? that yeah and i mean it's it's, it's true I've, I've always always like thought of that and it's true because you know you know wolves like i mean wolves don't if if a wolf is slightly grayer than another wolf i don't think they <laughs> i don't even think they notice well, uh, the, there is alpha uh, and beta, and there is no murder or orphans in wolf society. There yeah. is a famous, there is a famous uh, uh, true story of uh, 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 some people in, uh, the, in Alaska, the northwest of Canada, in a snowmobile uh, race, and a guy uh, during a blizzard got off track and crashed and broke his leg. And at night, uh, 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 the wolf pack would come and they would dig underneath him and sleep on top of him to keep him warm. They would bring him oh, a, wow. a fresh kill, feed him mouth to mouth, and they would drag him toward where they knew the humans were. Mm. Uh, two, oh my they, God. they had a search party looking for him, and, uh, and uh, two days later, the, the search party uh, found the guy, and there were some wolves by them, and they went to shoot at the wolves, and they all ran off except the alpha male, and he stayed close to this guy to protect him. And his, his snowmobile suit had been torn up a little bit because they were using it to pull him and drag him toward the humans for his own safety. And they kept the other predators away, wolverines, etc. And the guy had enough energy to raise his hand and say, don't shoot the wolf. And then they said, look what they did to you. And I said, no, you don't understand. Get me to safety and warm me up, give me a some food in my belly and I'll tell you what really happened. So when I hear of people, you know, uh, flying in an airplane and shooting wolves from the sky, it, it just, it, it's so inappropriate, it's so wrong. I know ranchers from all over the country, you know, and they go, well, the wolves will come in, they'll, they'll take an animal once in a row. Yeah, then you fill out a form and you can get compensated. But if you go back a little farther in history, 
there used to be no railroads. Right. Yeah. People were nomadic. They followed. They followed the bison. Uh, when I when I got to when I had the honor to meet and get to become good friends with Will Sampson from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, who was a Yakima Native American. Yeah. We shared many many stories. Uh, my grandfather's stories with the Native Americans and and the stories about the white buffalo. Uh, he actually was in the movie The White Buffalo with the Laurentes did it, but it was kind of hokey. Uh, it was not up to the level of spiritual relevance and humanity rising that uh, he would hope it would have been. But um, if you, I mean, the symbiotic relationship between the, uh, the tribal people and, and traveling, uh, the bison would eat grass and, and poop and they would move from west to east and east to west. And what they did to the prairie was about 30 feet of topsoil. So the invaders, and we were invaders, came. And I'm proud of my heritage because they're, I'm, I'm German, Swedish, and, and, and British, and Spanish. And um, my, my family came and they didn't cause grief and pain and suffering. I'm proud of that. Um, so when you have a country east and west and they said we need to have the golden spike in the railroads you get a free square mile for every mile of track left and right so they let a track yeah and they put up the investment I understand it's, it's costly but you can't just all of a sudden claim the mineral rights and, and all of this when you have nomadic people so what happened was the railroads had to get rid of the, the bison because they were there were so many of them. In order to do that, they didn't have uh, computers or TV or internet or anything to entertain themselves with. So the wealthy people would be in these hot, sweaty Pullman cars, swatting flies. And a company called the Winchester Rifle Company supplied them with all the ammunition and, and, and the equivalent of an Uzi. Or, I mean, it was a lever action repeating rifle. And they, they would just pump lead into a, an ocean of bison. Okay. So they could get them out of the way so they could lay track and, and a company could claim mineral rights um, uh, one square mile on both sides of track. Well, what about the people that are migratory? that are the people that fed us when we were starving in, in Delaware and, yeah. and back east. Mm. How soon we rewrite history and forget about that, oh, them. Wow. Uh, you, can't, you can't bury that, that behavior, mm -mm. the consequences. And um, on, on, honesty, it's basically light versus dark. Yeah. 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 You have to let, let in the light to see what the hell's going on. And if it's hell going on, then then maybe you could pray and uh, have some kind of guidance. And the guidance is light because the light illuminates and it shows you the opportunities that you have to make a decision with your observations. And a lot of people have observational issues, in my opinion. No, and what definitely. I mean by that is you're seeing and... and you, you, uh, no, this is more comfortable. Uh, decisions and, and actions by human beings that affect other life forms, including humans, 
sometimes uh, require effort and work and roll up your sleeves and it might not be comfortable, but we do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I remember Christian Brando, uh, Martin Brando, uh, Marlon Brando's son, when I met him, uh, he had had some, some issues and tissues to deal with. And so he was sent out with, with the Cousteau people and he got to, he had the opportunity to be out on the ocean and learn about oceanography and, 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 and uh, the wonderful science of yeah. what goes on in, in, in our waters. Uh, it, it, made, it really humbled him and uh, it, made, it made a profound effect on, on his life. And I hope you're still doing well, Christian. But um, I, Smithsonian Institute, I think they still have something called Sea Secrets. If you go to their website, you might be able to get the Sea Secrets. I used to get those all the time. I was a scuba diver for 20 years and oh, that's cool. uh, saw some wonderful things. Uh, I actually got to body, uh, body surf and catch waves with sea otters at uh, Ventura County Line. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, I've always said like the the thing I think that hurts us most in our human evolution was this need for control, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be emotional control, physical control, this this need to control. I mean, look where most anxiety and depression comes from is a lack of feeling you have yep. control, right? Exactly. And that has also like this need, this obsession with control has kind of led to just like you said, drawing a line in the sand or saying my God is better than your God or you know, I control this. I don't care what you need. I'm controlling this situation. And that's, yeah, that's been something. Would you, would you, would you perhaps say that those decisions, those actions, I mean, there's a concept, then there is an estimation or an appraisal of the concept. And then there is the choice of action. Yes. And it's not this or that it's many choices Mm -hmm. and there's degrees of, of agreement within the realms of the information. And people uh, would be well served to uh, have a better analysis of, of where they are and, and what really affects them. Because see, I grew up Catholic and we, I remember, remember my father was Presbyterian. He was a, a very okay. gifted surgeon, very prominent in the Los Angeles area. He couldn't marry my mother because she was Catholic. He had to get permission to be married in the Catholic Church from the the Bishop of Los Angeles, who at the time was very much misbehaving and over over decades uh, there were lawsuits etc enough enough said I was an altar boy I know what I know what it is I'm talking about. He was offended that he had to sign a binding contract to send us to extra money paid tuition to go to St. Martin or Tours, which is where eh, I learned a lot, but that's where all the Hollywood uh, Catholics sent their kids, uh, the Hiltons, etc. And I knew all of them. Yeah. My point is, uh, it's control. Yeah. And it's a fear-based control system. And if, if I can make you fearful, and then on the other hand, it, it, it's a Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's, Stockholm. it's a Stockholm syndrome. So I'm sorry, but that's bullshit. So I'm going to okay. cut to the chase and tell you something really funny and a lot of fun to do. <laughs> okay. Here it is. All right. <laughs> Late at night, channel surf until you find one of these televangelists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have done this on more than one occasion. And here's what you do. 
you go, you call them up. And um, you say, here's what I tell them. I'm rich. I'm a widow. I have no heirs. You have inspired me. I want to give you all my money. You're doing the Lord's work. I want to know that you're live on TV. I want the guy in the green jacket to walk across the stage and whisper in the ear of the guy in the red jacket. And they, they'll do that. And then I'll go, okay, you've cha- you're, you're doing wonderful work. So I'm going to give you the, the bank account for all my money. It's $1.3 million. My lawyers will send over papers, give me an address. But here's some, I want you to have the money right away. They'll take it. Oh yeah. So here's what yeah, you said. Yeah. Here's the number. The account number number is seven seven three four. And they'll go, that's not enough numbers. And I'll go, did you write it down on a piece of paper? Yes, I did. Hold it up to a mirror. What does that spell? <laughs> and they'll go, well, that spells hell. And I go, yes, and that's where you're going. And then you can kind of add. <laughs> and, 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 and here's the here's the payoff. You wasted 18 minutes of our valuable time and I go yeah I did that for a reason because I'm hoping that maybe that would have tied up all of your lines to somebody who was like I said but actually I didn't have a lot of money because you fleece people that are desperate have no money and you take it anyway and you're tax you're a church so you're tax free you are evil you are evil and I did that to tie up one phone line to hope that maybe somebody got a busy signal and the Holy Spirit would come in and intervene and heal them and allow them to know that you are Satan. Amen. Have a nice day. I gotta go. Amen. <laughs> That's great. I'm like, Lance and I are both improvisers too, so I'm like, let's record that. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. I'm oh, totally man. down with that. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be an SHIT disturber. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, look, I'm sorry, but the, I'm not. The carpenter had muscles. He wasn't a wimp. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just say it, right? Yep. Yep. Very, very, very. I'm enjoying very, this very, very, very much because most of the, I do about a hundred of these a year and most of the time it's a, what was this like? What was that like? Blah, blah, blah. blah. But you, you guys are, uh, you're deeper than I thought you would oh, be. Oh, we, we love conversation, yeah. Michael, man. Yeah. Like we will go wherever you want to go. It's just yeah. an opportunity for us to just hang out and talk, man. That's what well, really. You're sharing a lot of your own philosophies and, yeah. and beliefs, and you're younger than me, so that gives me hope for the future. Thank you very much, guys. Good. Well, we appreciate you. you have a lot of work to do. I, I've done most of mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, man. We won't waste any more of you. Yes. Time, but thank you so waste. much. Um, and, thank you. Uh, you know, well, we're, uh, well to, to tidy up, do you have any uh, any questions, any last-minute uh, things, any gems um, you'd like I, to explore? I will say I, something. I, I'll say real quick, Lance, because I wanted to say this, that um, – uh, I love George Pal, of course, Time Machine. And it's interesting you brought up the H.G. Wells short story because I'm a massive H.G. Wells fan. Oh, and great writer. That that story was actually like a precursor to the Time Machine people, that that was the Eloy and the Morlocks, that the Morlocks yes. were the ones that ended up staying behind and the Eloy were the, the ones that survived their blood there went on to become the Eloy and stuff like that. And so then that always ties to George Powell, who's such a great director and discovered you. And so how cool was that just to meet George Powell? Like a lot of people, 
my age and younger don't know George Powell, but Time Machine's my favorite movie of all time. And my dad is a big George Powell. And so I just, knowing that that was kind of who discovered you, I had to ask about. <laughs> That's a great question. He also did War of the Worlds for mm -hmm. the uh, younger yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, I was, I had a little gift shop in Venice Beach, California on West Washington Boulevard. And across the street was an antique store that sold Ming Dynasty stuff for rich people. And it's all cool and groovy. They were wonderful, wonderful neighbors. And uh, they were having a special sale invitation only for wealthy people who could afford what they had, which is uh, no judgment in any way, shape or form. This is some cool stuff. So my, my hippy-dippy friends and, and others uh, that we knew, we all dressed up as cool as we could. I, I actually bought a Moroccan black cape with a uh, Oh, uh, oh cool. And a, had a white trim. It was from one of our neighbors in business. You know, they sold stuff. And I said, well, that's really cool. So we're all, we're, we're all being very arty-farty. And we go next <laughs> across the street, and there's Bentleys and Rolls Royces and drivers dropping off all these people that are going to, you know, drop some serious uh, cash and, and take home some really cool one-of-a-kind stuff. Yeah. So we're mingling, having having some wine, munching on cheese and crackers. And, and I hear this, uh, one of the owners, uh, her father was George. <laughs> and she had told George, hey, there's this guy across the street and he kind of looks different. And George is going, <laughs> hmm. And, and he actually walks over, he introduces himself and he goes, uh, are you an actor? No, and I'm wearing a, a freaking robe. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just. I thought we'd be cool and groovy, and this is what I'm wearing. And, uh, uh, I'm getting ready to go homestead in Alaska. I, I want to just get away from Lower 48, and uh, I'll meet the guy in my dreams, and I'll build a log cabin. I'm, you know, <laughs> kind of stuff, and and, and I'll American eat time up there, and, and I can still homestead. And he goes, "Well, would you please? You 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 have the face that I need to be in my movie." I go, "Well." What do you want me to do? He says, one day, uh, Harold Lloyd's estate, Doc Savage, the man of bronze, and you can be Juan Jose Morales, the coroner of Hidalgo. <laughs> so, uh, okay. There's a pace. It's a, they'll get you in the Screen Actors Guild. You'll have a union card. I'll pay your dues for a year, and I'll pay you $400. Oh, pretty much yeah. <laughs> broke, you know, and uh, I didn't have much money. I was living in the street in my in my van. Yeah, we were getting ready to to let it, give up our lease at the little st store, which is an old house from the 1920s on the beach in Venice. And then I wouldn't have the I wouldn't be able to crash there anymore. So I'm going, yeah. And I I, I did, and I, and I worked for the day, and it was wonderful, and 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 I managed to hit my mark and say my lines, and and I had fun with it. And George always asked me. He said, "I have a, I, I have a request." I go, "What's that, George?" He says, "If anybody ever asked you, tell them that George Howe discovered you." Oh, and I've always kept that promise. I love that man. That's oh. how. Now, I thought that would be the end. There's no more sure. acting. What I want to be more in front of people's faces. I want more people to. No, I, I want to just, you know, be me without people go. Well, what happened to you? I mean, it yeah. should happen my whole life. No. And yet, it it was a blessing. It turned into an opportunity, and I went Amazing. with it for the last forty years. Okay. Well, and I met some wonderful people like yourself, and 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 we can get you. your, your your thoughts, your feelings, philosophy, whatever, you know. And and life goes on. Well. George had a casting director. I never met him. 
one day I get a phone call at my friend's apartment and, and he says, hey, I got a message for you. And it was, would you please come to Culver Studios and meet Saul Zance, Meadows Foreman, Joel Douglas, and Michael Douglas. They're doing a movie called Cuckoo's Nest and they think you, you, you could be a good lobotomy oh, patient. Wow. Yeah. I go, what? <laughs> and, and it could all continued from there. But So that was my second day as an actor going up to Oregon for 127 days, but uh, fantastic. Wow. The only reason the only reason that all happened was because this is in my book. Previously, I had a friend whose house burnt down in Washington State on an island called Camano Island. It's beautiful in the Northwest Passage, and he had all the materials bought to build a two-story log home. And I'd already been a, a woodsman, an expert with yeah. chainsaw and whatnot. So I grabbed a buddy in Berkeley. I hitchhiked to Berkeley, and my buddy was a professor from the university these days anyway we went up there and we built his house and i was going to stay and then go up to alaska but uh i was trying to buy a truck and it caught it had a gas leak and it ignited my shirt and i got some burns and fire and i go yeah maybe i'll leave and the day i left uh to go back to california was the, the day before a, a social security disability check arrived at my friend's house so had I not been in the accident with the truck, I would this never would have happened. Yep. Oh so, wow. So life works in strange, mysterious ways. Yeah, so don't fight the don't fight the current. Go with the flow, unless it's going in the really wrong direction. Right. But uh, you know, uh, so be aware, be in tune, and and it's okay to accept that which is uh, benevolent. It's okay to say no, thank you to negative gifts. Yes. So, yeah. It's interesting. Um, one of my favorite books of all time is To Kiss a Stranger. It's the autobiography of Gene Wilder. And oh, wow. he, through the entire book, is, is that exact same philosophy. He says, had this not happened that day, it would not have led to this. And then he goes on, he's telling another story, something happens, like say when he meets, um, you know, uh, just different things. He says, oh man, and had I not been there, that had I not been sick and I hadn't gone to that hospital, you know, I wouldn't have met my wife. I, I wouldn't have done that. And it's just beautiful because that's how, that's always been my personal philosophy. Everything happens for a reason. And so I love hearing your story because it, it fits into that mental uh bit of um what's the word i'm inspiration that i keep in my head to keep that going on that everything happens for a reason and that we're here i mean i can have my story that leads us just to having this conversation today like had i right. not met keith right. age right like different things and had done this and done that we wouldn't be here having this remarkable conversation so i appreciate you sharing that with us all right right back at you go ahead I, I just wanted to ask you about the how was it being in the Motley Crue videos? <laughs> yeah, he's a Motley Crue boy. <laughs> not, nothing, nothing deep and profound. Just. <laughs> it's very, very deep and very profound. They're 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 very very talented musicians. Uh, 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 I mean, I grew up in the '60s and '70s. I like all kinds of music. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily listen to their music, but once I was exposed to it, I mean, Smoking in the Boys Room. Come on, I mean, oh yeah, from, yeah, the guys are wonderful. Um, I had an agent that had the old Earl Flynn mustache. He's old oh, seasoned. Uh, uh, I got him when I, when I got to do Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, I got him through a friend of mine, Tony uh, Anthony Caruso. He was the Italian guy with a mole on the cheek during the Star Trek episode where they uh, were on a planet and they were getting the TV signals from gangster movies. And he goes, hey, Spock, uh, Kirk, I want one of them heaters. Yeah. That's Anthony Caruso. 
Well, <laughs> and his son actually was in the extras unit, and he wound up being my driver for Doc Savage, which was a, another story. So uh, uh, I, I had an offer to do Cuckoo's Nest, and I couldn't get any agent to take me seriously. So I called Tony, and he said, oh, I'll hook you up with Lou. So Lou Deucer calls me up one day, and he goes, hey, kid, I got you a gig. <laughs> well, that sounds so funny coming from you. It sounds corny. He says, well, write this down. You're going to go to the studio, and it's a music video for a band. And I go, okay, that sounds great. Uh, what's the name of the band? He goes, uh, Motley Crewy. I go, okay. <laughs> I said, okay, great. So I show up, and, and, and I, I meet the guys, and they were big fans of uh, Hills Have Eyes, and mm-hmm. they were just super nice. And, you know, I thought they'd be hanging out either. Uh, we were in an auditorium with a stage and a curtain where the kids are dancing and whatnot and i figured well you know i'll hang in my trailer and you know they have their motor homes and they said oh no 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 come backstage with us and which is cool i met them and their gals and wives and and awesome. and, and i just yeah. hung out with them and the first thing we did was uh 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 well they kept the kids away because they were uh, they had chaperones and um there was two ice uh, like galvanized uh, uh where you pour water feed animals with full of ice and probably five cases of Corona, which is oh beer. well, and yeah, <laughs> the beer. Probably, uh, uh, four or five fifths of Jack Daniels. Well, <laughs> it uh, sounds like. <laughs> so I, I had a friend that uh, used to be a driver for. Uh, he was a photographer in the Pentagon. He worked for an admiral, and I said, "Hey, uh, Johnny, you're going to be my uh, designated driver." <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the music video and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get messed up a little bit. I'm gonna be relaxed and have fun with these guys. So you know, I had a couple of beers, a couple of shots, and 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 we did the video, and it was just just delightfully fun. And and I mean, and they were not they weren't Pollyannas. I mean, they they played hard. They they, they listened to their director. They weren't a bunch of babies. They weren't egotistical uh they were all wonderful to work with and i got to do uh home sweet home with them yeah 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 that that, uh that that video it it had something um because it got it was so popular and got played so much that it was the motley crew role or something at mtv well now uh uh, vince neal actually i think it's in circus circus he opened up a a little tiny little restaurant he got a hold of my my manager one day and i said yeah we'll fly out to vegas and we'll do a little open it was just a little tiny little restaurant he had going on with kind of you know kind of a Mm -hmm. you know harley's and and whatnot going on but uh uh, and, uh, you know, Vince got very healthy. Uh, he took some roids, whatever. He's all muscled up. He's looking good. Uh, uh, I used to be in touch with Mick uh, when he had issues with his arm and his hand. And and uh, uh, I remember when we were doing Home Sweet Home, uh, I think we were in uh, uh, on the Coast Highway in Southern California. And I forget whose house. It might have been Tommy's or, or, or Mick's. I can't remember. But there was a Harley that uh, he, had his, he had just got his Harley out of the shop and I'm an old motorhead, so you know I, I love engines and motors and cars and stuff. Yeah, uh, I can tune a carburetor. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think he says, "Hey, you, uh, you want to take my my bike for a ride?" And uh, so we fired it up his Harley, and, and we had uh, Highway Patrol, you know. And, and I look at the officer and I go, uh, "I'm gonna do this. Is that okay?" He goes, "Yeah, go for it." And I I burned rubber and, and I hit second gear and I go, "Man, this thing's pushing about." 90 horsepower. You know? Oh shit! <laughs> uh, I used to ride a Norton. It had uh, 65 horsepower. So, uh, so I'm going. Whoa! 
it wasn't set up for street like I would set up. Uh, I'm more of a cafe racer guy. But so anyway, I came back and I was like very humble pie and put, 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 put. And he's like giving me the, the grand like. Uh, uh, but they were uh, delightful, professional, talented and uh, all around really good guys. So Motley oh, crew, huh? Did you get to meet Dick Dastardly? That's <laughs> I don't Mutt- remember. With Muttley. <laughs> but I do remember at, at 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 the end when Tommy pulls my wig off, we uh, we uh, uh, we had decided to uh, you know do something funny, and I and I said, hey, how about if I do this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, I mean, Vince fell off his seat. I mean. He <laughs> <laughs> it was very it was very popular on uh, MTV on demand oh, and yeah. then eventually really? the video was being aired without the ear wiggle now what i'm going to tell you is fact because i was handed a day sheet for a uh, ADR lab which is where they they add uh, uh, the video and sound to various you know movies or music videos for instance yeah and I was doing a voiceover for Mojave Moon or some movie I did. And the guy said, I knew you were coming in and I knew about the Motley Crew video. So here's a copy of my day's worksheet that says, do this, do this, do this, do this. Motley Crew smoking in the boys' room. Reinsert the ear wiggle four seconds. Yeah. So they cut the four second ear wiggle out and people f- took on the, uh, the phone and they complained to MTV so much. <laughs> a phone call was made by MTV to a lab to say you have to edit the ear wiggle back in because <laughs> oh wow <laughs> oh that is awesome I mean, really you know so <laughs> oh, that's um, uh, uh, so the secret is you know uh, here's how you do it you look in the mirror and you're totally relaxed and you pretend that you 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 can't touch your ear can't move your head and you have a big plug of earwax. So you have to kind of find where it is and do one ear and then the other. I know what I'm doing the re- with the rest now, of my day. If your dad or if your dad or an uncle teach that to the young boys, and they will love you forever for it, and you <laughs> the parents, and it's just something goofy and it's fun. So fun is good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think that's a great stopping point. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank um, you. My pleasure. can go to Michael. I, I just want to say uh, this has been one of the, the better interviews I've ever done. I yeah. Oh, well, that. thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Life, right. And we are very much it. looking forward to that book. And uh, people mm-hmm. can go to michaelberryman.com. Yes. Uh, check out all the cool stuff you got going on there. And, and the book, I'm sure, will be on there as well. The, the book is called It's All Good. And on the cover, uh, um, it's, it's supposed to be, and it will be, me as a kid smiling. I'm like about five years old. I got a big, a nice head of uh, bushy curly mm-hmm. hair before the skull surgery. But it's all about uh, humanity rising, what's important. And remember, no matter what the highs and lows of your life are, situations, uh, you're going to be, you're going to get through it. And uh, it's all good. That we love that. Good. And it good. should have one of those 3D images where you move it back and forth and your ears go wink. Oh, yeah. Good. That's a good idea. <laughs> That's a, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll make a note of that. Good. <laughs>
Thank you, sir, so much for thank your time. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, I, so, I had so a great much. time. Yeah, you're, you're 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 some of the good ones. All right, sir. You have a good evening, and uh, you know, yes. much respect to your cat. You know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Kiki says hi. We'll be drinking some bourbon for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. You take, take it care. easy. Peace out. Thank you, sir. Peace out. And with that, dear friends, we come to the end of another delightfully disturbing episode of Misters of the Dark. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you to the Fearscape Media Network, and thank you to Corey Adams and Ashley Jones Adams from Nothing Wrong for our musical theme. And I believe a thanks is in order for you, Mr. Berryman. And I know you tried your best, but I believe in regard to this acting bug, we're just going to have to wait it out. Hello. My name is Aningo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Oh, now Lance, now now just calm down. Hello, my name is Aningo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Oh God, Lance, Lance, stop pointing that sword at me. Hello, my name is Aningo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Lance! You little bastard. Hello, my name is Aningo Montoya. Wait, I don't have a name. No shit, Sherlock. And now thanks to you, I have no left arm. (laughs) You know, that is just like you. I'm miraculously cured, but everyone has to drop everything they're doing because you don't have a left arm. That was my killing arm. But at least I don't have to listen to those horrendous Jerry Lewis impressions anymore. (gasps) Where's the sewing kit? Underneath our Don Johnson records. But before we go, dear friends, I'll leave you with this. All acting is nudity. It's all vulnerable. And a little bit scary. Good night. Thanks for helping me sew this up, Michael Berryman.